Are we set? Testing, testing. Eventually, we need to actually have like an opener. We also need to remember to introduce ourselves this time. Oh, yeah. We just kind of assumed. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome. This is uh, this is Maxwell Martinez. And this is Chris London, and welcome to the next episode of Rough Draft, our podcast on the creative process. Uh, we have two guests joining us today. Uh, would you mind introducing yourselves? I think they. Would. I guess they do. Uh, so we have we have with us uh, Owl and Bird. Uh, that is their uh, performing duo. It's made up of. Uh, Allison or Al Schneider, uh, depending on whether you grew up with her or not, and uh, Wendy McComb. Uh, that is correct. That was Wendy. We got one. They talked. I only speak if somebody says something correct around me. I love being held to such standards. I uh, I think this is actually a really interesting setup for. The episode today, just because uh, Allison and I kind of grew up together, sort of. We were near the end of growing up, but like in high school, we <laughs> still growing up. That's that's a, that's a fair point. Uh, that is a fair point. Uh, Allison and I went to school together uh, back home, and uh, then we went our separate ways. And I found Max, and she found Wendy, and now we're bringing them here. And uh, they they don't know anything about each other. So we don't. I was told I was trying to ask questions earlier and then i was told to uh to save it go into this blind yeah yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean the audience has to learn about him anyways how, how do you describe the kind of performance that you do like what, what would you say you guys are well i just read today on a post that she describes it differently really well okay. let's get both sides oh yeah she uses all these really big words <laughs> and you know it's very interesting what's the biggest word that she uses Quintonian. I don't know what that means. Quintonian? <laughs> Quotidian? Quotidian. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't. Oh. That is a pretty big word. <laughs> it's French for of the day, I think. Is it? <laughs> That's. I think that means du jour. Oh, no, it's, it's it like. It means like, like every day. Like, yeah, there's a. Like, oh, like, well, that's very every, every day. day. There's a thing called Le Pain Quotidien. Uh. That is just literally like bread of the day, hmm. I think, is what it translates into roughly, or I think it's something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is just in Manhattan. Oh, and I love bread. Yeah. And that's what we do. Oprah that's loves. I think everybody. That's, that's what their bread. show is. I know. Say your full thing. We love bread. Um, and I'll say mine to remember. I've written that before. That's been on other things. <laughs> what exactly? How would you describe your performance? I guess what I what I mean by I I describe it as absurd and quotidian at the same time, um, but um, I just say non sequitur French New Wave play with some Steve Martin and Andre. Yeah, we did. I did do that too. I, I she also adds a lot. Unnecessary academic. Mumble, no, you say a suitcase full of flowers. They're laughing flowers. Laughing flowers. <laughs> we perform on. Rusty stages. I read you wrote that book. Mm-hmm. Garden party. Poetry night. Did we answer the original question? I think. I, I think, think so. so. Uh, I think. We, we describe. It. I'm trying to figure it out my myself, but maybe, I don't. Maybe I should have shown you a clip. Yeah, maybe that's uh, it. We'll keep describing it. Yeah. 
Or actually, can you just perform for us and we'll actually, describe it to the audience yeah, for you? Yeah, it is actually something that you could just do, I guess. Oh, I wasn't being serious, but that's if that's genuinely... You can do it, you. You can do it yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, why don't you... Uh... Okay. Yeah, I guess I guess it wouldn't be very physical just because right, of the nature so of what we're doing. Right my now. question is: is it is it pre-written? Is yeah. it okay? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Pre-written and it's like non sequitur. Okay. Writing and mm-hmm. using the regular human language. Our devising process is, I mean, like we we do write the mm-hmm. scripts, but the where the where what the scripts are come from is from I think kind of a collaborative devising process that we're constantly in when we're together, okay. um, whether we mean to be or not. And so we, we take the things that we say to each other or phrases that we we think are uh, maybe overused to the point that they don't mean anything anymore or maybe phrases that aren't said enough. Um, and, and then put the true meaning to it with the visual yeah. Like aspect. And sometimes it's heart-wrenching and sometimes it's like uh, funny. Yeah, and we try to, if it gets really heart-wrenching, we try to, like, end it with a joke and then move on to the next heart-wrenching thing. Um, yeah. I don't know, just so to I remind mean, people. Yeah, so we'll say anything <laughs> from, like, uh, oh, let me help you with that, or, like, uh, you know, how are you? Like, just little things like that. Or so saying over and over again, what do you want? What do you want? Yeah. What do you want? Yeah. Like, no, what do you, you want? What do you want? But then we'll also say things like, oh, did you want to know? I want to know. No, I don't. I want to know. What do you want? What do you want? Oh, it's me specifically. I'm making direct eye contact with you. Oh my god, you were, but she wasn't, and I didn't know if this was a skit. I would like to fully understand, you but I think... You mean performing partner, it's not a hive like mind. fully understand? <laughs> yes, I'd like to fully you understand. understand. Did you understand? No. I understand. I think that's... And I would like to know how you two... <laughs> found a way to understand each other on such a, I would say, visceral level. Um, God helped you understand <laughs> on such a... Well, we met in a garden in a backyard, and then we were together on Mardi Gras, and trees were sitting by a tree, and we stared into each other's eyes, and, um, and then smiling. That was it. That was it. I think we both just wanted to perform... Like separately before we knew each other, I know I've I came from a performance background, and I've been wanting to have a performance partner for years, years. Okay, just and all right. of course I meet her in a backyard, and she's like, oh, I'm a performance artist, which I don't have that background. Um, I was like, oh, that's cool, and somehow we're like, hey, let's Google Doc, and then she's like, okay, and then um, I can't see Elaine May and Mike Nichols work. Mm-hmm. Uh, their telephone conversations from the fifties, and uh, next time I came back to New Orleans, uh, we just—I she bought a telephone. I brought my telephone from home, and then we started with a character called Gail. And then uh, she had written a script, this non sequitur form that you're talking about, for a friend of hers, and I read it, and I was like, "This would be beautiful." And uh, our friend luckily didn't want to do it live, and. Kind of gently suggested if you ever wrote one for me, uh, perhaps you could. And uh, she did. And then we did it that day. Yeah. After we bought a yeah. Nike power suit thing to take care of the act. Yeah. And uh, the rest was history. Yeah. And then for me, it was a similar thing of I, I want something that is 
people to take on one of the high performance partners or to devise things with. And then Wendy just showed up and, and she was just really ready to, to go for it. And we had all these ideas that were uh, on kind of a similar wavelength to me of like wanting to, to be really silly and, and play, but then also just really, really get straight to, to like being insecure and, and vulnerable. I think a lot of our work is about being vulnerable. Of pure emotions and yeah. putting all vulnerability out on the table because I personally just believe in general, not even on the stage, that you should be really open to emotions because most humans aren't, I guess. I guess we can go out and figure that out. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, this act is a way to, you know, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable, but it also opens up a lot, I think, for the people that have the questions afterwards or maybe plant the seeds that people can feel like maybe mm-hmm. they can just say what they want. I do believe, like, that's how we were able to come together because we both wanted something. And 100% when you just want something, it's always usually okay with saying that could open a huge can of worms. I'd be very careful. About I would that. not say one hundred percent. However, this is this is this is this is the wrong political climate to be saying shit like that. I will say that was a that was a beautiful sentiment. <laughs> but uh, okay, no, no, I think great. it's that's what we're trying to get you to do. I don't want to. I'm not sure. I think it's no. All that's okay. No, all jokes about that aside, I do think that it's. I think that if we were honest from the start with the things that we want, I think that then it would stop us from wanting things that aren't as good, I guess. Well, I, that's I feel... self-deprecating, Sammy. Is it? I think so. I didn't fully compute it, but um, I, think, I would like, not right, put it past you, you know, like, for, the, the, to be the self-deprecating. Whole, the whole overreaction we just had about like the whole, like, oh, just because you want it doesn't mean you should, you know, that whole thing. Um, obviously, talking uh, about like people want what? bad things. Yeah, I was like, I, w- I could give you several... <laughs> instances but, but where I think wanting a lot of times, something is not justified. This goes a little bit too uh, in-depth and also, I, I don't know. Uh, and I, sorry, ch- child pornography, bestiality, okay. things that like people, these are things that people want that don't necessarily, uh, <laughs> that aren't necessarily indicative of getting them just because you want them or it doesn't justify. Also, like, if you don't, it, a lot of people want things from other people without consent. That's not necessarily. Yeah, but if you say what you want and you're very clear of it, everyone oh. knows who you are and what you want, and they can of, decide for I guess, of course. I guess, I guess there, I guess there is a difference between saying what you want and then forcibly taking it. Well, I definitely wasn't implying. No, no, no. Yeah. But you were. But what I understood, what I heard from it, was that um, if people. It, it, people saying what they want or doing what they want um, 100% of the time is all that it, it is all that is required to be okay. Um, and I would say saying, yeah, absolutely. And everybody should say and do, or I would say everybody should understand inherently what they want, analyze what they want, but I don't know if necessarily doing exactly what you want at all times uh, is proper. No, I mean, push the limits. Find as, go as far as you want and make sure that you, I mean, that sounds very hedonistic and I think that's very impressive, but. Oh. 
Oh, I think, I don't know. Hey pal. Hey pal. Hey pal. Hey pal. Hey pal. Hey pal. Who are you? You told me. <laughs> <laughs> you gave me that. You gave me that. <laughs> no, I think, um, I think that one we... Thank you. Thank you. you. see that face and they're like, what the <laughs> That's a little uh, bit of a joke. I, I, I witnessed, I experienced. I think, no, but I, I, I think that. By the way, their faces, they didn't, they were just so tense and like they couldn't breathe for a minute. No, I think, I think though, like, no, the idea, because I, I think when people want things that are more harmful, I think a lot of that comes out of, mm. comes mm. out of repression. I guess. I think it's interesting that you yeah, immediately. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with like you. You, you know, you can't always get Mc, what McDonald's. McDonald's phone. I um yeah, but um. I love the phone. Um, <laughs> you know, I love the phones. Yeah, love that's right. Oh man. But what were you saying um, before? What yeah, I was just saying. Um. I, it's interesting that you've immediately equated the word want with hedonism it's like yeah. you've, or like you've immediately equated the word want it wasn't like specifically that okay. i feel like that's where the conversation immediately went like mm-hmm. even, yeah. if, even if you like had other thoughts in your mind as well that you associate with that the conversation immediately got directed to like people doing things that they want because they're indulgent well the term the the, the s- and and rather think the trigger for that was the 100%. You can say want all you want, and that's fine. But when you say 100% of the time wanting and doing what you want, that's that was the triggering point, I think. But that's so interesting to us that mm-hmm. makes it a trigger. And okay. it seems, um, yeah, it's just, I think that's such a planted thought in society. But, you know, to each their own, and this is no, no fight. No, no not at all. I, we, I do think it's <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just interesting. Point of view is like the oh, way. Oh, ah. Versus like, oh, that's cool. I can be a hundred percent me. I can say exactly what I want, and my needs and wants will be met, and maybe not by the person directly in front of me, and maybe not in this moment. But I'll commit. That won't lead me to finding the place and people I need to be around because I'm being completely one hundred percent authentic. I'm mm-hmm. being completely. And hey, let's say I do like child pornography. Well, all the people who don't will get the fuck away from me, and maybe I'll find a cool group. I mean, that sounds sick, right? But it's true. I think we do have, like, a... There's, like, a societal pressure that tells you, like, not to be selfish. And I think that that is where a lot of it comes from. And I think that when you look at most of our problems and most of the time uh, that somebody is doing something they shouldn't be, uh, a lot of times you can usually trace that back to some kind of repression or some kind of... And so... Yeah. And I think... There's like multiple interpretations of want, I guess. Like, cause yeah. there, cause there, cause there's, there's like, the immediate like physical things, but like, like, oh, I want to, you can say like, oh, I want to eat this, but it's like, but that is coming from a different want that is, you know, yeah. I want to do something it's, about it's my hunger. Onion, an and onion so, effect. like, yeah, you want, but then it's like, oh yeah, why do I want this? Oh, because I'm lonely. Yeah. So oh, I get. Why do I really need a hug? So I guess like in terms of like just, at least when it comes to like being honest about. You know, like, from, from like, a, a core, like, what you need as a person sort of thing. Yeah. Like, like core motivations as opposed to, like, specific physical 
things. I think, yeah, being able to be honest about what you want out of your life what you need and other life. people. Like, yeah. Like, there's only these people who would direct with me, and it would be kind of a joke if I was like, oh, I don't need you. Yeah. I can barely hear you. <clears throat> I should probably take these headphones off. Why do I have these on? I don't know. <laughs> That's right. I'm not listening back to anything, and it's just no, making it more know. difficult to have the conversation. I don't know, but I, I definitely don't think that I need it. Because I don't know. I mean, there, there's no denying that there are times where people want things that are kind of sick and i guess i wonder if 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 early no 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 no. i wonder i wonder if earlier on in their life Mm -hmm. they had been less repressed about their their desires and their needs if their current wants if they would have like developed and grown in like a healthier way yeah i guess somebody didn't repress their like as a child to be loved or a child to be heard if that wasn't repressed at like age six or ten then yeah that's because like you look at these, not especially because like you look at like s- these studies and everything about people who are homophobic generally having like yeah. a, a history of having been repressed yeah, sexually course. in some and, fashion. And if we go towards your thought initially, it's like yeah, people who are homophobic are gonna want to hurt people <laughs> who are you know gay or whatever, and it's like yeah, that's not their real want. They they. they Two or three layers down, it traces back to what they really want. Traces back to something else they didn't get yeah. fed, and then it eventually, yeah. over not taking care of that, warped into something that's that kind of fucked up. Yeah, and that doesn't ever, it's never going to uh, complete the sentence that I was just saying. Yeah. yeah. So back to performance art. Yeah. Well, I was... Well, I, was, but I, think, cause I guess the thing that I really wanted to drive to eventually was just like, you know, why do you do the, the kind mm-hmm. of performance that you do? Um, that's part of it. Yeah, and, and that's, that's, why, that's why I wanted to have the conversation. Go. So yes, what I was it. saying before about yes. the thing about it's interesting to see uh, that that was your response to us using the word want there mm-hmm. is that I think that's part of what we it's were like saying that what we, we do is that we yes. will use phrases like what do you want or I want this but we'll put them in a different context so maybe you can start to think about that question differently so yeah. I don't know if it's I mean it was weird to try and describe a bit that we did oh, no. well we did I yeah I mean you just did a bit I assumed this entire I, I assumed this entire sequence was no. essentially a kind of a byproduct of of uh, what your performances are usually I could be wrong but yeah. um, uh, so sorry so the bit is that um well there's another bit we, we don't be and there's another bit where we don't let Al speak. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. so sorry. Uh, so, so the, the, like, what we did on Friday and where, and the way then somebody said, what do you want? Which, that was a different circumstance because of, and I intentionally had a bad performance, but there was, you know, there's kind of this bit where, like, we were being really, like, soft with each other for a moment and saying, hey, pal, hey, pal. And we're kind of, like, giving each other these hugs. And then Bird says, um, hey, pal, you want to go to dinner with me? And I get, like, really viscerally angered by that. And I say, like, I don't I don't need to go to dinner with my pal. I'm fine. I don't need to. I don't need you. And then the response to that is, Bird just goes up to the mic and says, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And I feel like by putting it in that context, you kind of, it's like, well, it's that thing it's you were saying, it's like, what do you, it's that onion you were talking about, it's like, what do you really want? I want a hug, or I'm lonely, or whatever, and so, we expressed by sort of using that phrase, what do you want, instead of it being like, what do you want? Like, how we might hear that phrase, or like, yeah, or if somebody asks you, what do you want, you might go like, oh, it's fine, I don't, I don't want anything, I don't I'm okay, it. you know, but if it's like, you know, you kind of come 
trash book. What what that that Yeah, why are you doing this? What is it that you want that is that you're not getting that's making you respond in this way here? And mm-hmm. and why can't you just say it? You should just be able to say it. Like, please just tell me what it is you want. Because and most people won't. Yeah. Right. Because honesty cuts so much yeah. fat out of like a relationship and yeah. it's so like to the understanding. Mhm. But I think that's kind of an example of of how we're trying to use language in some of those like you know intense moments especially well or it's like let me help you let me help you let me help you while I'm tying a knot off with rope let me help you and she's saying thank you okay thank you let me help you let me help you let me help you that's so good thank you thank you now hug me okay just hug me I'm trying I'm trying it's not enough I think I understand a little bit more of what y'all do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's um, stuff like that that's like, you know, and then there's other bits like Tony, you know, like, you know, the silly stuff. Who are you? Tony. I'm Tony. <laughs> hey, I'm Tony. You know, but that's like still, I think that's still serious for us in a certain way. Well, I'm, I um, want to understand how Tony's serious <laughs> for us. <laughs> Go ahead and explain that one to me. <laughs> uh, I think some of the caricatures we do, some of the like over the, over the top things are still pointing at, at, you know, some kind of behavior that is, uh, that is an excess because it's not, um, because that person isn't getting what Mm -hmm. they, what they really want. Yeah, I've always just wanted to do Tony so you could trip on stage. (laughs) She trips at the end. That's part of it. I really like a a double Pratt fall. She loves it. Yeah. Yeah. It it sounds like y'all play, or I mean, I can tell that y'all play really, really well off of each other. It's scary <laughs> impressive. <laughs> no, I guess, um, but I was, I don't know. Um, can I ask what, what would you say, if you have one, is your trajectory with this specific uh, team? Like with your performances, you just, where are you going? Oh. <laughs> um, what is your idea of success in terms of where you're taking this? Um, I'm just happy that we're doing it. And that's that's yeah, I'm happy we're doing shows. I mean, I I think both of us really like that. Like whenever we do a show, it's always a totally different audience that we have, and it's I mean, and we write a new show for every month. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and so it's it's hearing what the audience has to say about it, and I think for me, it's kind of a project of like figuring out how or just learning about how different audience members react to to the different things we do um Mm -hmm. and so it's a successful show for me if somebody got something if i hear one person in the audience go (laughs) then i'm like golden yeah like (laughs) yeah i'm like pretty good no, that's awesome. I mean, that that in and of itself is a trajectory, the kind of the here and the now and the it, it kind of allows it to be sort of a never ending, never ending process, which I think is really cool that I've never, never fully understood something like that. <laughs> oh, why not? No, I, I don't know. Uh, it's just not ever. It's not a perspective that I've looked on 
I, I've looked at any any performances, anything that I've done, anything that I've written is very much like I do this, I write this, or I perform this, and then after X amount of time, it's done and we do something else. And I move on and I find a different path or a different, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think we know that that will happen because when we created Gale, mm-hmm. we did Gale, we killed at Gale for like three or four shows. Then we filmed Gale and they were like, hey, we're done with Gale. We, we want something else. Mm-hmm. And then Oh, <laughs> she yeah. had sounds like she had a good time. She did phone burlesque for two and a half minutes mm-hmm. with no talking. That was yeah. cool. And then uh, she was out of breath for a while, and then mm-hmm. uh, they they we talked, talked and, and then that was it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then uh, we gave the audience an intermission while we uh, got ready for the playback. So that one was really. I think that we both know that we will know when it's time to move on. We don't. Yeah. I don't think we need to put a limit. Of course. So do you? So do you think it's a thing where like you felt like Gail stopped growing basically, like you'd gotten what you were going to get out of it, and so you wanted to explore other things? Yeah, and Gail kind of ended up growing in a weird way. Yeah, you could say it. Yeah, like when we went to. (laughs) Yeah, Gail. Gail used to be a. She's like a sexually repressed. They're both sexually repressed women who are codependent. So mm-hmm. therefore, they have like a and really kind of shitty relationship. They only talk on the phone, only on the and phone. they're really mean to each other, and they project things onto each but other. But that is how they receive love because they're codependent and they're repressed yeah. women. And then it was like I don't know. We just we had to spend time together. We started to people. care about each other more, and so then we tried to film Gail, and we were just too <laughs> nice to each other. <laughs> we like just kid. Yeah. Like anytime <laughs> Gail had a problem, instead of being like, yeah. Uh, She'd be like, and I feel like you're a little more of a dog than you do naturally, but like, so, so this way, so like, I just remember like the first time I had a problem with Gail, yeah. she was like, well, are you okay? <laughs> and then I was like, then I would yeah. lean into the empathy, like, oh yeah, this is nice. Yeah, I'm okay. Like, I'm fine. Yeah. And this so was then really happy. And then like, she had a problem and I was like. Well, can I do anything for you? And it's like, that's not the bit. That's not the bit, <laughs> But yeah. we didn't even know. We filmed all of Gale, super empathetic and loving. And we were like, what? And why did it? We didn't know. Yes. And then I think we figured it out in the car, and we were both a little perturbed, which is yes. totally Gale. Yeah. And then we did our last show with Gale. Well, not our last show. We did one more show with Gale, super drunk. And uh, we got a time limit by the guy. You got three minutes. Is that cool? And we looked at each other like, yeah. Yeah. We didn't talk. We just got on stage, killed it, <laughs> super drunk, and then we're like, "What's next?" <laughs> AKA Alan Burke. Yeah, yeah. So she had a good like yeah. send off, but Gail only just came back the other night, and she was great. At the yeah, train we're station. actually we saw real voices in Gail's voice. Yeah, I'm not kidding. I would not have this <laughs> this accent. <laughs> I'm I... from Long Beach, California. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone know. Yeah, I'm from uh, I'm from Washington State, so uh, yeah. Yeah. Do we have accents right now? Oh, you've had accents. Yes. You've had the exact same <laughs> accent yeah, since I walked through the door. Yeah, no, that's you've had this accent the entire time. And then we were doing the sound check, and Al was she was talking like this, and <laughs> it was very like polite, and it was very kind of like oh. there, there, there she is. Oh. Yeah. Okay. 
It's fascinating. We're also afraid of Angelina I would. Okay. If it, if, if it's, if I don't if, believe if, you if, for if two it's, seconds. If it's like a layer of separation. No, it's true intimacy. I've never was taught how to hug as a child. That's another reason why I only go to like yeah. exotic lovers. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the other thing that we. Oh, I don't ever get a hug. I don't know any hugs. Yeah. So until I ask for a hug. We realized the other night we were having we were, <laughs> we're having a difficult time. We were like about to go on. And like five and minutes. I'm like my my head is blank and we were both I don't know what's going like, on both of us were just like ah uh, 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 like, I need uh, something and I then need we realized something. that we just needed to give each other a hug <laughs> so. yeah so as much as we're <laughs> together and think I you know we yeah. will yeah the hug uh, but yeah it's like yeah. if we're a dad you know gives you a side hug yeah you yeah I mean one of the bits that we came up with I think which was uh, in that car ride on the way back from uh, from Gale, we got we pulled up to my house and I was going inside and I was feeling like really weird about things and I said I feel a little insecure now I need to go and I just left the car and like slammed the car door shut <laughs> and then went back went into the grass and then came back and I was like okay I'm fine now <laughs> but like you know just statements like that of just saying I feel insecure now I don't think is something that people say very often or. I don't understand how to be desired. Things so that's kind of the opposite end of there's the one end of like phrases that are used all the time but people have different meanings mm-hmm. for them or they've lost their meaning and we try to realign meaning to them and then the other end of it is things that just like don't get said because they're just so straightforward and they're so there's that kind of ambiguous language and then there's that straightforward just like hard cut like I feel insecure. Like stop. Yeah. No. Stop. Yeah. I don't understand how to be desired is like a If you can, yeah, if you can, if you can actually, if you can actually just hit the microphone. I want the audience's ears to pop as much as possible. Oh God! Can (laughs) why? I didn't. I never liked the way it looked the minute I saw it. That's. It's it's fairly standard. I don't. I don't like standards. For people who discuss um, being afraid of intimacy and uh, being insecure. You come off as uh, extremely vulnerable and extremely confident and extremely, I, I guess, um, inherently strong. Thank you. And I was, and I'm just kind of wondering where, a, where does, where did you find that came from, or has it always been a part of your life? Yeah. Huh? Sorry. The uh, the the well vulnerability. Men. Men is just. No, she's no, crediting yeah, her crediting ins- insecurities, insecurities to men. Okay. I guess I should have asked. No, it was a no, yeah. not your insecurity, but your vulnerability, which I, I, I mean, I, I equate vulnerability and and strength I, in kind of the same yeah, context. So. I've been super outwardly emotional my entire life, just, like, saying things. And then, you know, eventually around age 20, 22, being like, wait a minute. I thought I was wrong and a bad person for doing that. 
try to put like not accept it, I guess. Mhm. And um I dunno, I've always been outwardly emotional, but I think in time I have, you know, adjusted and changed and realized there is a onion effect. Because the outwardly emotion might have been sideways emotion. You know, it might've been me thinking I knew what I wanted. Me- thinking, "I'm being authentic. I'm being completely real right now. Why don't people accept that?" And it's kinda like yeah, but but did I peel down the two layers and then did I ever say exactly what I really needed? Or I was kind of thought I was being emotional or vulnerable if that makes sense my entire life. But I was really just like flailing around like a fish, being super emotional probably. [laughs] Does that make sense at all? Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I think in the last two or three years I've discovered that and like, so I know it's not at all wrong to be emotional, but when you are being emotional emotional outward outwardly, you know and be like true to like exactly what you're going through and exactly what you need or want and I dunno, I guess my vulnerability has just always been outward cuz I'm a kid. You playing a prank on yourself. [laughs] Okay. Yeah. Oh no, I like I said, I equated the 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 two. That that vulnerability because for me, I'm to kind of um I I guess for me, I'm I come from South Texas. I'm I promise you I'm not trying to make this about me but a quick story. [laughs] Yeah, yeah. No, no, I know. I just heard it. I thought it was hilarious. No, I I have nothing to do with South Texas. I'm actually from Texas. [laughs] But I live in the South Texas part of town. I'm from the South Texas part of town, but I grew up in Austin. Oh. Okay. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. [noise] I I get what you're saying. No, I I think I think the vulnerability comes out more on the outward. Oh, I don't know. Well, you know, whatever. It's all about perception. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. And you know what your limits are. I think the other thing that Yeah. But like not too like, don't hug too much. Don't like not too yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um and so coming to New York City, being surrounded by uh performers and 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 my classmates who openly performed and openly would be like, "Look what I can do. I can dance. I can sing. I can do this." I was never around that. My family never, whenever I told my family I wanted to act or wanted to sing or I wanted to do anything, they'd go, "Okay, well, that's nice." And never had any interest in any time I did perform or any time I did try to do anything outward, they would kind of be like, "Oh, Max is being embarrassing again." Max, like they'd support. They would be like loving. They're like, "Lex, we love you. Do what you need to do." But there's always that little bit of like But not too loud. Not too much. Not too yeah, yeah, yeah. So um when I hear that there are people who grew up just playing the piano for their family or for their friends or singing or performing or doing whatever, that's always very impressive to me. And I ki- it kind of brought, came into uh being here in the city where I would do auditions and in the auditions, the first thing they ask you is, "So, how are you doing today?" So, like how 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 are you? What's happening? And because I was always told in auditions, you must be likable. You must be liked. My answer 100% of the time was always, "I'm wonderful. Thank you so much. How are you?" Uh even when I was scared, even when I was tired, even when I was nervous. I I still don't fully know how, but I found that uh some of the most vulnerable and impressive auditions that I've seen are whenever you ask that question, people just stop and they'll go, you know, I'm kind of nervous, uh, but I'm here, so let's do this. And then as soon as they let that out, that allows for something really cool and something really kind of vulnerable to come through. And so I feel like, yes, vulnerability is a strength, but it's also a learned trait that I don't think a lot of people know how. So that's why I asked. I wanted to know how, who taught you or where did you teach yourself to be that strong? I have to like 
call it XOL all the time. I'm downloading that chip. You know, I, I got to put that in the computer because you have to constantly you remind know, yourself. Like, like it's like 60 days. I've only read this because I'm like a current teaching myself the person I want to be. And it all comes down to what works for you and resonance and authenticity. So if you want to try and take a new line of audition, you know, you're never going to please anyone 100%, but you can please yourself 100% and know you like being authentic in your auditions, that kind of thing. Um, and I know that from learning on, you know, self-help tapes and whatnot, that it takes 60 days to download a behavior. You're like, and of course it's trial and error. It's like, well, the day I realized I never asked anybody how they were doing because I wasn't taught that growing up, I it hurt me to ask it. I had to go through that pain. It hurt. My body hurt mm-hmm. to say, how are you today? Do I know why? No. But I know I was never asked that growing up. And it took me a long time to learn how to ask it whatever. Now it's completely comfortable, and I love it. It's like I wanted to be that person. Like, it took a lot of time and effort. And I can say just knowing Al, uh, she's taught me, you know, a lot about, you know, uh, being vulnerable and having ethical fear and, you know, all things that I wanted to grow on and learn too. So if you want to know what I've learned even more of it, it's just recently too with her. I mean, because we've been trying to do stuff. But just the other day, uh, Al helped me have a, because she was my wife or whatever, and all she said was, I hear you, you know, I hear you saying there's nothing for me right now in my life, but I love you. It's like, oh, I guess that's all that matters. Like, mm-hmm. just saying how much you love them, you even want to be locked up. It's like, yeah, your parents have been like, oh, that's cool or whatever. But it's like to acknowledge what you want to acknowledge that you have your own autonomy is so important. I also think it's cool that you found out what you wanted after kind of going through a process that you didn't realize was yeah. saying what you wanted. So it's literally and that's why I which is so much in the act. I right. think it's so important and and that's not even the whole message of it, I don't think. Sounds like a big one regardless. So. Yeah, it's one of them. And there's so many more. So much more. The biggest is probably Tony when I figure that out. But the biggest one is Tony. Yeah, he's a star. I think that's <laughs> he is a freaking star. Have Tony and Gail met? Oh my gosh, no, but you know. He did say I'm Tony on the podcast. <laughs> you don't have your Ray Ban sunglasses, though. <laughs> I know, they never went through the system. Do you want to share about your insecurities? Or do you yeah, you. Do you have other questions? That's, mm-hmm. that's, important. Uh, that's important. No. no uh, yeah, but if she doesn't want to, that's fine. I will make her. <laughs> I, I, I could have I sworn we just... <laughs> I, I, I could have sworn we we just talked about something about emotional abuse. <laughs> I do it. No, I mean, I, <laughs> I think I learned to be vulnerable. Part of it is through doing performance and just kind of realizing that, like, if you're not vulnerable, you're just shit. So, like, there's that. True. And, um, <laughs> she's right. And, yeah, I mean, just different people in my life. I think I've, I've always been a really Quiet. You're very quiet. <laughs> when Chris knew me, Chris knew me. That the same time. Uh, um, not like this at all. Yeah, you were um, you were very different. Um, but uh, um, she's even changed so much in the six months I've known her. Yeah, well, that's everybody in six months. Um, 
I, I'm sorry, that was <laughs> no, very impressive to me. It's crazy that she yeah. know that this is growth I, from yeah. the backyard out. Wendy, yeah. and I'm not kidding. Small bird, like, pushes me to, to do things and, like, the, the <laughs> crazy <laughs> She's bleeding all over the place and dragged. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, but I, uh, I would agree with what you said, that, like, I've also just continued to learn things about being a vulnerable femme performer with you, and and also just learn things about just, like, being willing to just go for something and go 100% for something no matter what, just because that's what I want to do. And that whole spiritual work we were about, like, we're here for ourselves, is, like, it was so great to hear you say that, and that's why I wrote it into the script, is because I've never heard someone talk about performance in that way. What? And where it didn't sound, because I feel like if somebody else said that in a different way, it's like, oh, well, you're just being selfish because it should be about the audience. And the way you said it was like, I don't know if I was nervous or if you were nervous or what was going on, but Bird was just like, uh, said some stuff about like, oh, you know what, we just have to go up there and we just have to do this for ourselves and not do it for for them, but just, you know, we just have to go up there and do what it is that we want to do and do it for ourselves. And it was just, I don't remember what you said exactly, but it was just said in this way where it wasn't, it wasn't saying we have to go this, uh, because, and do this because it's about us and we're great, but the only way that this is going to be any good or worth anybody's time, including our own time, is if we just go for it and do what, what it is that we want to be doing. Mm-hmm. And, and then I wrote that into a, a statement, uh, for the act, for the act where it's, you know, it's all, it's just like taking to the top and stuff, but Written it's like, like a yeah. Hello. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming to the show. Thank you for being here. But we'd like to let you know that we would be here, even if you weren't. Even if you were not here. We would be here. Waiting. <laughs> not waiting. Waiting. Not waiting. And this potato is just here for itself. And we <laughs> are here for ourselves. And we... And we... <laughs> I'm gonna take this show downtown to the moon. Jerry Brown, if you don't like it, you can all fuck yourselves. What if we fall in labor? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think that's. I, th- I think that's what's. I've had a very difficult. You hit the cat toy. I hit the cat toy. All right, that's okay. fine. Maybe she'll come running. I don't know where she is. Usually she's bothering us when we're trying to do something. Sally. Uh, so- Sally. 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 Hold on. Chris actually found something interesting. Let's uh, oh. analyze. Oh, 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 right. Yeah, uh, I was speaking. Um, no, like I've I've always had a, a rough time uh, understanding or grasping like abstract or absurd uh, in any in any genre or in any medium really. Whether it was literature, whether it was uh, live performance, I've always like had a hard time grasping it. Uh, but it's something I've wanted to be better at. Watching you guys perform it, I, I feel like I do understand it, and I think it's... I, th- I think what's really nice about your act is that it is... Uh, it does have a very clear purpose. For me, I've always been very rigid and structured with the way that I put together narratives for, for things that I make. It's always been like, okay, does this thing line up with this thing? Does this theme carry through? Like, the, like does all this stuff match up thematically? And it's very surgical 
don't know. It's it's nice to actually start getting some understanding about how you can just drop all of the concern about narrative really and just focus on the base emotions like what's at what's at the heart of it and what motivates it and how you can drop the pretense of story structure and still make your point probably more powerfully than well, i don't know it's such a i don't i don't even know if it's more or less well you like, said just, you, you said somewhere in there um something along the lines of the right structure or the right something doing something right do, as mm-hmm. opposed to wrong and i think Be, that's being concerned kind of, that like i actually get the themes like right structuring everything in the of right course way but in, as in a narrative. as one of our our lovely teachers taught us um there's no such thing as right or wrong there's oh. uh there's what works what doesn't and why however and that that has sucked to me to this day um but i from my from my understanding and this is also a relatively recent understanding that i don't fully probably understand um <laughs> ayo. um uh but the, the this idea of right and wrong comes from having to find a solution having to find an answer which is something that your brain does inherently um yeah. your brain wants to find structure it wants to find anything so whenever it gets lost whenever it can't find an answer it freaks out and it goes into overdrive as opposed to realizing that the brain is actually the problem and because the brain wants to find an answer it completely disregards everything else that's going on in your body and everything else that's going on with you as a human oh, that's um yeah, and I so if you like so if you kind of let go of this idea of i must be right i must find this answer i must have a solid answer and just allow yourself to kind of be kind of in your heart or be kind of mm-hmm. in that part of your body that you're feeling. Maybe it's your feet or maybe it's your arms or maybe it's whatever. It's kind of like that in and of itself is an answer, but that's also telling you that you don't need an answer. You just need to trust that what you're doing is going to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, if it Unt- feels good. If it feels good until uh, it doesn't. Yeah, until yeah, it. Yeah, like the, that quote uh, from the 70s. Is it still here? Uh, <laughs> if it feels good, do it. Um, if it feels good, do it. Well, the seventies. Can I? Can I try to? Oh yes, go ahead, please. Um, I just want to say something about absurdism. I guess uh, that was a real focus. Continues to be a focus of my work, and and in this and in other projects I do, but it definitely was the driving force when I first started making performance work, and then it's how I've used it has really grown within which they can revel in the absurdity of the everyday because I think that everything is absurd mm-hmm. um, um, and the only reason that anything has meaning is because we make meaning and everybody is playing at language in a different way um, a, a lot of my my research when I was doing my master's dissertation and what I keep using at performance art is a, is a goddess Comes from Norse philosopher Ludwig Wittgenstein and his idea of the language games and the idea that we're all playing different language games and we all play different language games because we all have different rules that we've been given through mm. our training. So we've been trained in different ways, and then that means that we have different rules that we follow when we're using language. And so what I've had hope to do with the use of language is to break some of those rules and maybe alter the boundaries of different people's language games to the point where it's 
this doesn't mean something. This is being used this way, and it's doing something, right? Language is an activity. Yeah. It's not, you know, referential in that way. And yes. so, like words are just tools, and it's really more about mm-hmm. the way that you use them that creates mm-hmm. the meaning. Yeah, and that's such a metaphor that I feel like I wish I knew about my first time boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I'm her boyfriend now. I think there's a... She has a lot. <laughs> She has, she has a you lot see, of boyfriends with <clears throat> somebody who's afraid of intimacy. You seem very... Yeah, well, we're all dead. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's like all dead philosophy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Try to get some intimacy. Do you guys... Yeah. Yes, go ahead. It's just... Mainly Samuel Beckett and Ludwig Chen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to say that. No, good. Yeah. I was just wondering it's, if... It's very important that we got um, that out there. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense. I've heard enough of all things. No, no it does. <laughs> no, it, it does. Oh, my God. She has been personally victimized <laughs> by... <laughs> Well, not with that attitude. <laughs> All of mine is still alive. Bastards. I was wondering if I could just kind of uh, conclude this with a couple of questions. Uh, yeah. First one is, I know that you kind of, both of you have gone in quite a bit of detail about uh, your performance style. If you had to uh, sum up your performance style in uh, one sentence each, what would it be? You did. Can you? Yeah. Repetition is effective. I mean, mine's like a long one. That's okay. Repetition, repetition is effective is also a good description of their. Uh, well, of their I, I study with Meisner. Oh. I've been, with, I've been, I've been wait, wanting to say Meisner, but like, I. Is that not? Like, could that yeah. not be one of your dead boyfriends? He's dead. <laughs> oh, honey, he's dead. Well, good. Now she has. She hasn't heard from him in a while, so she just assumed. <laughs> I had a, I had I had an actor in an audition once uh, tell me that they uh, studied with Meisner, and they were like they they, they had like they were they were like nineteen. Oh, they just like, Yes. No, they, oh, they put lied. like his name on the resume, yeah. and it was like, oh, I studied with him. It's like, Meisner's no. a writing technique for when. Um, it is yes. What you want. I was I was. <laughs> no, is it? No, I've seen it change people's lives. Okay. I was, I was and terrible. Like if actors are listening. Yeah, people quit See. after the second time they're there because they're just forced to be honest in the first class, and they're like, yeah, yeah, See, yeah, yeah, yeah. my teacher loved me specifically because I was so closed off, and I refused to tell the truth that it would make it would force the other person I was working with to have a natural response, and it made them like literally. I did not do a I did not do a repetition exercise without somebody freaking out on the other end. Did you ever learn about yourself? Probably not. I just want to point out, for those of of you who aren't familiar with the Meisner technique, the Meisner technique is uh, pretty rooted in, like the standard exercise, like how they always start you out is... um, You're wearing a striped shirt. Okay, so... Okay, you're wearing a striped shirt. You have an attitude about that. Okay, so I have an attitude, but you're being it's, defensive. I'm not. You're deflecting. I didn't want to do this. I just he's wanted to explain repeat, to them what no, the. Now he's not oh my he's god. Dealing with his own feelings, which is what my about. I'm trying to deal with the audience. <laughs> they um, get it. We just performed it. All right. So that's the <laughs> general deflecting. gist. He's deflecting. It's okay. Swear to god. okay, so he's deflecting. <laughs> he's getting very flustered. <laughs> so the point is, so Max, Max and I actually had, uh, we actually, we actually had Meisner class together. Um, and uh yeah we both deflected in the class yeah, we both oh yeah oh, he's like, <laughs> i was i was terrible at it until we got out of like you repetition we're learning about ourselves all right we're learning to not deflect via this podcast and then you'll, you'll 
I was I was horrendous at it, except for two instances in that class where we it, we weren't doing repetition. It was once when we were doing uh, monologues from Rabbit Hole was the second one, uh, but it was also when we were doing uh, monologues from Spoon River. We made it to the Oh, I mean, it was that Here's was the. the thing. You, you're 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 vastly overestimating the prestige of the school that we went to. Basically, like you did, no, most schools do a two week course. Or something. Oh no, we we this had a thing. we had a year long Meisner. That's crazy. Meisner one was a year long, and then the next the year it was a. a seven months from beginning to nine specific. Mm-hmm. We uh yeah. Just repeating for nine months by the way. Oh, we did we did repeating. We did the door exercise. We did Spoon River. We did scenes we did we did we did it was it was weird because like the the technique itself didn't really work for me but i found like offshoots that did that's correct and that 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 was like the main thing was like most of what i learned from the school was a lot of the teachers would try to give me you know like techniques for like how to get into like a a scene and like how to how how to get there and they never worked for me but i We didn't study just Meisner. It's a, we uh, had we had a Meisner course along with a lot of other things going on. Now it's um, it was a thing. Yeah, yeah I've, <laughs> it's, I've, I've seen Meisner change people's lives as for performance. No, I'm not. I'm I'm not shitting on Meisner. That's the thing. No, it's like I'm it, also letting I just unless he's into yes. it. I just think it's, I, I just want. think it's the thing that I learned the most from it is that every actor has something different that's going to work for them. Yeah. Um. Because this was the first technique I ever tried. Yeah. It was. I mean, and it, you it, stuck it was, with it. Was, it. I mean, it was. It was one of my first. And you stuck with it. I did it for only two. Yeah, but there was uh, <laughs> no. That's but what, what, what no. That's really the wonderful. The question's about what we said about ours. Do you want to know what we said? I mean the the yeah. That was just like a one sentence kind a of like French, sum up. A French new wave, non sequitur play. Mm-hmm. Little bit of vaudeville and beef mutton soup. It's a series of phrases which have lost meaning or aren't said enough which are put into an absurd context in the hopes that they'll mean new things and the audience will take us more than one sentence. I'm seeing these as I commas. I liked it most of it cheered me. <laughs> and uh, that the audience will learn new things about how they interact with each other and um, we said every one of the things that I think I wrote was just perform you perform all of your absurd quotidian dreams out of a suitcase full of laughing flowers on living room floors, rusty stages, and garden parties. Something like that. In the style of that. No, I think I say, I say a French Steve Martin dancing the six count on a vaudeville stage. That's amazing. I that too. And, uh, um, I like the yeah. sentence. Yeah. Wonderful. And um, we just want to be ourselves. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the. We just want to be ourselves. We just want to be ourselves. We just want to be ourselves. Yeah, we just want to be ourselves. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, and then my. (laughs) That was awesome. My second question is: Where and when can we see y'all? Just in. Is there a general? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Gallery. Gallery. 
can draw a naked woman and drink and then watch birds and owls. Yeah. Owls and birds. Do y'all have a regular? Do you have like a regular place you go to? Do you have a a web a Facebook or an Instagram or we all of the above? Mm -hmm. It's mostly on the owl and bird duo, and mm -hmm. we have the Facebook. It's brand new. We made it for the tour. We're going the East Coast tour right now. We we awesome. Don't really have a place we live currently. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we're doing the East Coast tour. We have a few show more shows in New York. Mm -hmm. I don't know well, where this podcast goes. Yeah, we hopefully hopefully we'll be down performing at the New Orleans In Fringe Festival. Oh, yeah, wow. that's um, a good one. Which is November fifteenth to nineteenth. Uh, we haven't. That's not been confirmed yet, but it it should be. Put it out into yeah. the universe. <laughs> well, either way, we'll be there, even if you. Know. And then the week after the In Fringe Festival, also in New Orleans, there's a Love School or Performance oh, Art Festival. By yeah, Cypress. That our friend Cypress is putting on. They're great. They're actually in the city right now too. They do do Calica and a lot of performance art, but um. And it's called Love School, and that's in October. That, no, that's in November too. It's the week following. Yeah. So it's like the twenty fourth, twenty sixth, or something. It's in November. It's right down there. And then we're just discussing. Oh, only Halloween is in October. Mm -hmm. Oh. Well. Yeah. This Halloween, or this <laughs> yeah. October, also is a Friday the thirteenth. Oh. Oh. Yeah. And this start Friday the thirteenth. It will be Friday the thirteenth. Um. So we'll be there for that. And we'll be uh somewhere after that. Yeah. Friday the thirteenth. And then we've been discussing potentially doing another tour southwest west coast but we don't have any dates for that yet but that would be and eventually europe and eventually europe yeah so uh we'll be performing in glasgow on um january 8th <laughs> of 2020 um yeah but yeah we at do nice and slazy's at nice and slazy's it's a great place Oh, yeah. that's uh, that's on the record now. So you've got to actually get that set up. <laughs> For real. Well, we're either gonna be there or the Olympics. So. <laughs> see you. Sure. See you. Either way, we're champions. And yeah. also, we do have uh, all the Instagrams and Facebooks. Yeah. Alan Bird Duo through Facebook, and I think Instagram is Owl Dot Bird Duo. Yeah, we should have been consistent. <laughs> yeah. Well, can't we you might... can you not link the two even if they don't have the same name? You can maybe link them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can you can link them. Okay. Yeah, maybe so they're gonna be technical yeah. help. Yeah. So Alan Bird duo somewhere you'll find us. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, we'll also we'll also add a link to both and or all of these that way people can follow you. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think. I breakfast. <laughs> Actually, I haven't eaten today. <laughs> you haven't eaten today. I haven't eaten oh, today. You haven't eaten today. So we linked into oh, this shit. Yeah. You should eat it. And also, yeah. you said you weren't hungry. I wasn't. I, we asked you. I, I eat quite a bit. I'm, I might. My boyfriend likes to make me dinner, so oh, I'm going to like... Oh, yeah. It's, you have a good relationship. It's so gross. Oh, it's it so in. gross. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... To, to be fair, he deserves it by this point. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, so that was Owl and Bird. Yeah, that was our first time having a guest on here. That was. I thought it was pretty cool. It was a lot, but I, it was I, really I cool. Enjoy, I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, we'll go ahead and uh, add the links to their uh, Facebook and Instagram and any other place that we can get you connected with them on. Uh, was it the, what did the link below? Well, for YouTube, yeah. But for YouTube or whatever. Uh, that's very well. I'm assuming Owl and Bird is going to be uh, unique enough that you'll be able to find True. Owl and Bird Duo.
for Facebook and owl.birdduo for Instagram. I don't know. I thought it was interesting just because I was hearing a lot of parallels just like with what I want to do with my work, which is, you know, I want to talk to people about how we interact with each other and how we, how we treat each other mm-hmm. and talk about the conversations that are difficult to have. Um, yep. Just my approach is through agonized over uh, narrative structures. True. <laughs> I can see that. Um, but I feel, I mean, if anything, I feel like they allowed you to uh, to break out of that a bit to kind of no is this not getting anything i kind of break out of the need to have such an like a a, a rigid structure yeah well that's <clears> the, <throat> that's the thing is like i mean because it's a lot of the way that i go about writing stories is based on my insecurities mm-hmm. you know? it's, it's it's based in uh, my concern about the perceptions of other people and all that jazz but i also know that i've made a lot of progress over the last couple of years in letting go of those perceptions and just being more honest about what I want to do. Um, which is why I've actually been able to finally make things. I think it's so interesting. I feel like you've always been pretty honest. You've all, like, you've, you've... I've always been honest uh, it, in the it, sense that I wouldn't lie to people. No, but even in the sense of your work, even in the sense of what you want, I, you you do have a lot of insecurities, but I think it's so interesting. Well, you, I feel like well, you have was, had, well, but... I picked this piece that's in the Spoon River is a collection of just a bunch of uh, poems, essentially, that are all supposed to be... Uh, it's a poem anthology from the point of view of the dead. Yes, of this, like, small... Small town called yeah. Spoon River. And, you know, like, so we were supposed to have, like, four of them, I think, like, all together. We were assigned one, we picked one, and then we created one. So for the one that, one that we chose, like, you know, I read through the book. It was for C.B. Shelley, um, and it was it was extremely uh, to, to me. It was just it had like all this meaning loaded into it, and I remember when I formed it, like it was I had a hard time completing it because it was just a thing of like I wasn't trying to get emotional or anything, but like. But that's where emotion but lies. Say, but saying those things in front of people uh, brought a lot out of me. And I remember, like, afterwards, uh, our teacher, uh, Amy, she was like, I didn't think there was anything in that piece. I've never seen anybody do that monologue. I thought it was a very empty monologue. I thought it was just kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, And I realized that the entire thing was because it was was tied into my own uh, issues. It was tied into my own self-loathing. And so I saw, you know, like, I, I saw reflections of the stuff that was going on in my head that I couldn't find a way to talk about. About how I felt like I didn't deserve uh, the things that I had, and like all that stuff, like all that was stuff that was very difficult for me to talk about, and that piece gave me a way to talk about it, and that was like when I started learning, I think, about how to actually use art to communicate with people in that way. Uh, it's through that because you know, also that point, like you know, high school theater days, and I was just like, oh, we're doing a show. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play this character. Say these lines in this scene. This I person's mean, angry. Be angry. Yeah, I'm gonna, per- do, I'm gonna do this character, and and it's gonna make people sad because it's about a sad thing. Right. Or it's gonna make people laugh because it's a joke. And how to like move past like that, like like that child's perception of it into mm-hmm. something that's more like okay, no, but like what am I saying? 
Like, what am I, what, what am I telling you? What am I getting across? I mean, that's why, that's why Shakespeare still is kind of, pers- uh, is <clears throat> still so persistent to this day, even though the language is so intense. When you, when you're able to kind of take, take the words, which to me, to this day, which I thought was really cool about what they said is kind of, um, the words are in a sense, the least important, or at least, um, uh, the worst way to communicate because there's so many other perspectives and there's so many other ways. Once you kind of get the skill of taking a set of words and then actually figuring out what they mean and then conveying that to an audience in the most truthful way possible, I think that is why that's 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 what's most impressive and that's why yeah. these these plays, for all intents and purposes, are are some as far as themes, some of the, like the easiest to grasp, it's like, I get what this theme is, but like, how do I convey that in a, in a, in a way that is compelling in a way yeah, that is, cause I, yeah, I, I can write something that's like, Oh, look at, look at how this is a commentary on this thing because of this. And it's like, I can get all academic about it, but is it actually emotionally affecting? Right. Is and it actually getting it across. And that's what I, that's what I really kind that's what resonated with me about, about what Owl and Bird were saying. Um, Alan, Wendy. I don't know which one they prefer at this point, but um, but what I loved was their their passion for kind of breaking down words and kind of allowing what's beneath words to come through, um, and really challenging people's perspective uh, on words. And that's what that's that's what's cool. That's what I try to do. Not that I'm successful at it, but. Um, in my head, as soon as I tell myself words are the worst form of communication, then that opens me up to be able to actually write anything down. Because as soon as I know what I'm trying to say, the words that I'm using are just a tool to help me get there. Um, as opposed to focusing so much on the right words, like I need this word, I need these words to be perfect. Yeah. Like I'm not trying, I'm not trying to write this like this perfect monologue with this perfect sentence structure. I'm trying to write characters who are trying to communicate in the best way possible, who don't always understand how to tell the truth. The, the work that they do, oh, I completely forgot to mention this, like, while we were actually talking to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wendy directed and has been editing a movie that is heading into the final stages of post-production now that is very similar to the work that they do. It's It's very absurd, it's very... There's a lot of repeating words. There's a lot of, and, and it's so much more. It's so it, it's it has so little to do with the words, and so much more to do with the shape of the room. And it's there's no monologue about what the character's arc is. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like there, there's no big thing where it's like this is how I've changed over the. But which, in a lot of films, is like how do you get it across? That's what I tend to do is I I monologue throughout and stuff. But like she has her arcs, and they never say what their arcs are, and they never really say things that are even tangentially related to the arc a lot of the time but you see what they're going through and you get it i guess i would love to see the two of them do a production of waiting for godot i think allison really likes that film i mean she said one of her boyfriends is samuel beckett yes but um she's she's always been that's yes go on right she's she's always been into that even when like a even even in high school like that's what that's what she was into um, it's fascinating to see like where she's gone since then. Can we? I mean, there's not a there's. I'm just, I don't know. I'm trying to find. I don't a, a, a link or something to kind of get people in contact with this movie that she's working on. I would say just follow when 
Yeah. Follow, yeah. W-E-N-D-Y-M-C-C-O-L-M. Yeah. Wendy McComb. Follow, follow Wendy McComb. Yeah. Um, and uh, right. I'm assuming that whatever info is comes out about it will be available on our social media. Yeah. And then real quick, just a couple, uh, just a couple minute wrap up. Uh, do you want to go ahead and start talking about yes. kind of what we've done and what we plan on doing? Um, I mean, I'll start cause it's the easiest. It's not, I, I, I still am, I'm not going to say I'm not as unsatisfied or as, um, disappointed in myself as I was last time. Um, but I got so daunted with, I get daunted by a lot of the things that I'm trying to do. I got daunted with the idea of casting something. And I also have this idea of who specifically I want in the other role. And I do not have the credibility to get him just yet. <laughs> um, and so instead of focusing... Mm, ew, no, God, no, nothing like that. I think it started off like, mm, you're well, like, I, for yeah. whatever reason, I assumed you were going to say like a, a, a sexy. <laughs> like, yes, I don't have any context for what sexy is. Oh, yes, you do. Sexy. Yes, you do. He's fine. He's an attractive gentleman. Um, it's like it's no, so, uh, and uh, so I decided to write again and I sat down and wrote and I sat down and tried to write for like two weeks straight and nothing was coming and so I was like fuck it I'm just gonna watch tv and I got lazy and I got drunk and I got high and I watched as much tv as possible and then I went out to this event with Jordan and <clears throat> for a bunch of his friends who are performing and just watching them perform and hearing their stories it was like a it wasn't a, it was like a recital it was a recital of these people who had performed for the very first time who were performing for the very first time live in front of people. And it was an audience of literally 15 people and everybody was just friends and family. And these people were, they ranged from like really beautiful voices to like not the best voices, but there was like passion and there was love and there was just an energy and a vitality and just something came out that was just true for every single person. <laughs> and it was really, really intense and it was really interesting. And then hanging out with them afterwards kind of got me connected with this dynamic of, of, of who these people are that I'm writing and where this other gentleman comes from. And I decided instead of focusing on the character I'm writing for me, I decided to write an entire episode based off of the other character and his relationship and what brought him to the city and who he is and what he finds true um, in kind of a, a party setting. So I wrote a very rough draft, but a rough draft of a, uh, a pretty pivotal scene that I had the basic idea in mind, but I was able to add kind of a new layer with bringing in a performance aspect and bringing in kind of a nervous aspect and bringing in kind of a, a, a whole new community. And as opposed to focusing on those two characters, I was able to write hopefully a successful scene about a community of people that inform one person. Uh, so that's where I'm at. I'm not sure how well it's, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm pretty confident in it. I like what I wrote, but there are a couple scenes that I don't think work perfectly but i needed to get them written just to get from point a to point b and i'm still finding out how to get how to, <laughs> how to actually make that flow a little bit better but that's where i'm at um it sucked it wasn't the best i didn't get as much done as i wanted to but i got something done and i'm pretty proud of what i got done and i think it at least sounds like you had some sort of lesson you know something that you can actually take with you which is nice 
<laughs> it is. It's like we. It's one thing like to remember is like you know even if you're working on a project like like a finite project that will be over someday. The act of creating doesn't end. There will be something mm-hmm. else afterwards, and so like just picking things up as you go. It's important. You have you have to constantly be learning, or what's the point? If you mm-hmm. don't, if you don't learn something, why bother doing more than one project? Mm-hmm. You'll never see the growth. Because I usually don't work on too many projects. I have a couple here and there, but you work on so many projects. Do you feel like on any given day, one project kind of influences the uh, the next, or are they usually kind of cut and dry for each project? You mean like my approach towards one thing is influenced by something that happens in another thing I'm working on? Yeah, I mean, as or is that just like, if it happens, it happens. If not, because like you work on so many things. I, for whatever reason, romantically in my head, imagine if you get stuck in one place and you focus your energy somewhere else, maybe what you learn focusing your energy there will help influence. Okay, so here's what's happened for me in the last month. Mm-hmm. Um, like the day after we recorded the last podcast where I was, I was feeling kind of drained um, by that point because I had been working almost exclusively on all of these very technical very uncreative like edit jobs and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh i am now almost done with all of them like all of them will be finished this week uh but most importantly like the day after we recorded that podcast i went and started the audition process for uh, a short film i'm going to be directing next month and it was one of the most rejuvenating things i've done in, like a long time mm-hmm. uh just working directly with actors on a piece. So I go very deep into, into, into themes and discussing like, you know, like what, like instead of like, hey, can you do the piece more like this? We really want somebody who seems like this. I don't really give those kinds of notes, at least not when I'm auditioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's more like, okay, so here is what drives this guy. Here is what is. It's a very clear objective. Yeah. And uh, so, so this piece I'm directing is a, is a dramatic piece that initially I didn't feel that close to and um, didn't see a lot of myself in it and I didn't relate to it too much, but I was like, I can see how this might be good. Is this the one with and the kind of turbulent audition process? No. Okay, cool. No, on. this one, the auditions went incredibly well. Beautiful. So with this, like, I start talking to like the people who are auditioning and I'm just like, this is what's driving them. Like, this is the, this is the kind of stuff that they've gone through. And like, as I'm describing it to them, just like seeing like that moment, like, Looking at your eyes, like seeing like when it clicks, and then you see like something happening like in their eyes, and you you see like something like welling up like at times. Like you can tell like just when an actor like connects to it. And then I started like as I started working with these actors like on the piece, I started finding like what was actually in the script, mm-hmm. and uh, started going deeper. And it was just like no, I completely understand like where I fit into this picture, and uh, it became like during that audition process it became like okay i know like what i'm trying to communicate with this piece and how i think we can go about it and we wound up casting this guy we had like two options after after callbacks we were like these are both good options one was very experienced and he he hit all the notes that we wanted uh the other one was very new to the whole thing but he connected to the piece so strong and so there were times where like there were like bumpy patches like within it where I'm like, I really need like something else like in this moment. But every time we got to the end of the piece, it was like heartbreaking. Mm. 
and it was just like this thing of like this is where like the payoff is is it is just like this catharsis and this guy i can tell like this is hitting him like really hard but he needs some help like fi- finding everything else there and finding like all the all the all the beats and everything okay and so we were we were talking about it and we were just trying to figure it out and it's just like well you know like the second guy it's like that's the that's like the that's like the riskier choice because like i know that the first guy can come in and probably just do it and it'll be good you know um mm-hmm. he has been doing this for a long time he's a actor with like real tv credits and everything and he's like he's been doing this it's just a thing of like you know we were trying to just, we were trying to like make a choice and we're sitting there for like a half hour and i was just like no you know what like let's let's go with the other guy and like let's let's do this one like mm-hmm. this is where this is where the work is and like this is where the work is it's also kind of where your heart usually lies <laughs> you usually go for usually go for somebody who has potential over somebody who natural like who naturally has something but you know might kind of let that get in the way does that make sense let of like people who are so confident like i can do this i know how to do this well this is this is what i do um tend to allow their ego to keep them at that level and keep them at a plateau in a performance and you tend to look at people who are almost there who are not quite there but you I feel like you might like to challenge yourself and know that you can kind of get them there and you feel like those are more satisfying performances. At least my experience with watching you work with others. I just feel like that's what's best for the piece. Mm-hmm. I don't think, the other guy I don't think had an ego and I think that he totally could do what I wanted. I just don't think he connected as strongly. Ah, uh, okay. And so it was a thing of like, I can go with like the guaranteed like A minus or I can take a risk on like Potential A plus. Guy for like an A plus, and I'm and I'm and I'm glad we brought him on because then just like the first rehearsal afterwards, just like talking to him like it's somebody he's very into it. He's super humble. Just like this thing of like it just feels like we're creating something together, and it's it's. Well, that sounds so exciting. Yeah, we're gonna be shooting that in like three weeks, <laughs> and I'm really stoked for that. I'm, that's why I'm so excited to get all of these technical jobs like done this week mm-hmm. so i can put those away and just be like okay now i'm just going to focus exclusively on the other films because uh, then you know the one that i'm producing is also in a couple weeks okay so would you say that would be your that's going to be your goal for for this upcoming podcast is being able to focus as much time on this piece uh no because i i know that that stuff's going to happen okay i guess um so with sparks Ooh. i wasn't able to get the reading done because uh both of the main readers that wouldn't be me uh, were just not available. Okay. One of them, you know, she's just insanely busy right now. Mm-hmm. And so she's waiting for some time to open up. Because um, it's important to me that I'm hearing it in their specific voices. Cause I because you wrote for I yeah. need to know if it works. Okay. Uh, but the other one uh, is just not in the city anymore. And so that's just not going to be an option anymore. So I need to, so I need to figure out what I'm going to do about that. Okay. Uh, although... I could just have anybody else read it, honestly. But that's mm-hmm. amazing. So the reading had to be pushed back. But I have been still working on it anyways. I haven't written the pilot. I need to write the pilot. But I just, I got involved in the production. Yep. There's a short Sounds that, about there's right. There's a short that I auditioned for that I'm really excited about. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to be getting a callback and kind of get a callback all around it. Okay. Um, I'm very confident about this specific piece. 
that's the main thing is I feel like I'm getting back into like being excited about creating things again. Yeah. When before it was like the stress of getting a job. Yes. Like uh-huh. it's just but now I'm getting back into like the creative aspect. And still making that money. Still, yeah. That's good. Um, oh, God, I also did the voiceover job. Did I tell you about that yet? The, yes, uh, okay. I believe you did. <laughs> For the sake of the podcast, um, I would say... And adults? You did adults. Premier. Adults had its premiere. Oh, my God. So quite a bit has happened for a you. A has happened in the last month. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so by the next month, I want to actually do the reading in September. Uh-huh. Hopefully, that will be possible. Hopefully, I can get her. Um, yeah. Well, that's I um, see. For me, I'm trying to get one of one of my biggest things is um, not being as financially stable, as well as most one of the things that's been taking up my soul is um, my job right now. And it's and I'm I last month it was one of those things where it was a brand new job, and so and it was a big job and it was a job that took on a lot of responsibility that I've never wanted and or needed. But because I love this place so much, I wanted to give it my all. And I feel like I I kind of put my neck out for people and I fought for people and I worked really hard. And the payoff just wasn't really there. I like the more I fought for people, the more they were unsatisfied with what I was doing and the more they would ask and the more they would want. And so I, I am now at a point with this job where I'm just like, okay, it's a job. It is a job. And it is what I do to pay my bills, and that is as far as it goes. I am focusing on finding a way to make my finances in a more creative field, uh, even if it's just a couple, um, a couple extra gigs here and there to, to really kind of focus on what it means to be on set. I really want to get an extra gig um, just to rake in a couple more ducats as well as to really be able to sit and watch what happens on a set. That way I know, I know a little bit better how I can conduct whatever set I am on when I finish this project as well as, um, get some more writing done on this, not, or hopefully on this, but if I get as stuck as I was, um, at least have myself write something. I've had I've written down six different ideas in the past two weeks and put none of them to paper. And so I'd like to at least attempt to see if any of them go anywhere. Yeah. Um. Because a couple of them were written when I was drunk, and then a couple of them were just like, oh, I this is an idea that's come up again. So let me see what I can do with this. Let me see where I can go with this. So. A little ambitious, but at the end of the day, it's basically just finding a way to get to where you are and wanting to be more creative and wanting to actually and finding a way to survive in this city while looking for more creative, more ways to be creative and find different creative outlets. In a lot of ways, New York is like New York City is probably the worst place to be when you're doing artists just because it's so expensive to live here and getting started in this field. It's so difficult to actually be pulling in anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wages. It's, it's mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still planning on keeping my job. Um, yeah, or yeah. Find, or finding or keeping my job and then finding potential work in my same field, uh, in the in the bartending industry. But um, I'd also like to be a little bit more creative and maybe even even if it's on a scale that is um, being an extra because that shit's fun and it's cool to kind of 
You have to eat for free. I had a friend who read an entire book on set. That sounds cool to get paid to read. It was on a oh that might have, no it was a. I read the entirety of The Shining on the set of Alpha House. Oh, see, I know I was talking about. Um, I had an I had a friend who was on. She was on the set of some Disney TV show, and it was set in a high school cafeteria, and she stood in the back reading. I think she read an entire Harry Potter book, so that sounds awesome to I me. Mean, you know, it was the Philosopher's Stone, so it wasn't that impressive. Oh no, I'm pretty sure it, it was. Fire. I'm I'm pretty sure it was Order of the Phoenix, which is by far the worst. When I was younger, <laughs> Order of the Phoenix was my favorite, and I would say it was Deathly Hollows, or not Deathly Hollows, was uh, Half-Blood Prince. Uh-huh. That, like, swapped when I got older. Nice. See, my favorite is still Goblet of Fire. I think I liked Order of the Phoenix because of the big, like, fight at the end. Yeah, that was pretty and intense, so but, for, like... For me, that was, like, as a kid, it was like, oh, yeah! But, like, how many times did he need to go to detention? Jesus Christ! In the thousand pages, he went to detention for a good 700 of those. It was boring. Sorry. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it is. I mean, here's a, anyways, whatever. Um, and I think that's our show. <laughs> Do not yawn. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Super day.